but we're wrapping up a three-week conversation uh, that we're calling, that we've, we've talked about calling Centered. And what it means is envisioning a different type of being the church and a different way of being the church. And I'm going to put this up again for those of you that are newer, but also you have to hear something like 27 times before it. That's not, that's not a real stat, you know. Um, yeah, 100% of statisticians say that 27 times is how, how many times you need to, to hear something to remember it. But the point is, once you hear something to the point where you're like, oh, I know this, then maybe it's actually sinking in, all right? So anyways, when we think about belief systems, what is most common and easy to do, okay, is to create the campers, the campers got into all of our markers this week, the day campers, and they smashed all the tips down. And then they wrote some words that I can't repeat on the whiteboard. <laughs> so apparently none of the whiteboard markers work. But that's okay. We have a fix for this. Hold on, everybody. If you're, yeah, if you're new, you're just getting used to our culture here. It's really dark back here. There we go. It's funny, every time I mention anything related to whiteboard markers, the next week, like, 10 of you bring in brand new sets of, of whiteboard markers for us. So, we have kind of a stash. All right, let's get back to it. See if this one works. Yes, okay. So, what ends up happening is the easiest way to create community, uh, I don't say this in a positive light, but the easiest way to create community is to create a set of boundaries. And when you create a set of boundaries, it is very easy to draw a line and say you're either in or you're out, okay? And these boundaries within Christian faith often deal with a whole bunch of different belief systems, ways of interpreting the scriptures, all sorts of things. And the interesting thing is that every tradition has a different set that creates your boundedness, okay? So you're already seeing that there's somewhat problematic areas here, right? Because usually this is what we determine to be a true Christian, Okay, and so depending on which group you are a part of, you've got certain things. And, and so here's, here's the thing. So, you know, you've, you've got a group of faith, or you've got some sort of a faith community, and you have people <coughs> that are either on the inside or the outside. And by the way, this has not changed since Jesus' day. In Jesus' time, this is precisely what was going on and precisely what Jesus called out because the Pharisees... And the strict adherence of the Jewish law said that it was very obvious and easy to see who was out. Who was the unclean? Who was the unholy? Literally, depending if you were a Gentile or a Jew or a man or a woman, was how close you could get in the temple to even worship God. There were courts that you weren't allowed past. If you were a woman, you would be killed if you got past certain things. So some of these bounded sets dealt with pretty like major central things. But anyways, here's what happens. If you are trying to create a community and you have a bounded set, then where is your focus going to be to figure out community? Where is it going to be? It's going to be on the boundary. It's going to be on the line. You can't focus on anything else at the end of the day because to figure out if someone's in, you have to figure out which side of the line they're on. So what we see with Jesus and what we are seeking to be as a church is a centered set community. And what that means, okay, what that means is not that we don't have convictions, but that we understand that what matters in a world where we have a lot of mystery and can't figure out all of the, th the things perfectly for ourselves, that what matters is the direction that we are moving in, okay? What matters is if Jesus is at our center and we are a centered set community, what matters is Oh, how'd that one get back here? What matters... It's in my pocket. There we go. What matters is your trajectory. And there may be people who are very close to the center, have lives that are very put together, have belief systems that are all correct, but their heart and their trajectory is not moving toward Jesus. And in the Gospels, Jesus continually says things like, 
The sinners and the tax collectors are entering the kingdom in front of you, to the Pharisees. The Pharisees who may have been real close to the center with their belief systems being right, but their hearts not being postured toward the living, loving God. Okay? So what this means is that we have a responsibility to figure out what does it look like to create a community that is founded on being drawn together toward Jesus at our center. And we told the story a couple weeks ago that in Australia, the land is so big that cattle farmers only have two ways to keep their herds together. They can either spend a ton of time and energy building massive fences, or they can dig deep wells. And when you dig a deep well, people are drawn to life. And Jesus is our well at Life Path. And so what we want is we want together to be drawn to the source of life. And what that means is not that we won't have convictions along the way, but that we won't use those in a judgmental way to decide that you're out Jesus said if people want to come and follow, follow him, he always welcomed them to do that, okay? So that's what we're trying to parse out and look through. And I just love um, in, the, uh, in the scriptures, I love that in the book of, uh, of John, there's this little statement that says, uh, it's after Jesus has raised Lazarus um, from the dead. And the Pharisees are really shook because they don't like this message that God is for all people, and they don't like that Jesus is doing things that look and resemble kind of like God at work, but he's doing it outside of the temple system and stuff, and, uh, and, and he's valuing all these undeserving people. And what they say in, uh, in John 12, 19, is they, the Pharisees say to one another, this is getting us nowhere, meaning their attempts to, to move up against Jesus. Look how the whole world has gone after him. And I just wonder, what would it look like to be a church that makes Jesus look so good and beautiful that the whole world wants to go after him. What if God's church organized around Jesus was that compelling, that people were so deeply drawn to that kind of love and grace and justice and care and compassion that they couldn't help but moving toward Jesus? Um, Jesus and his message are some of the single most compelling things on the planet. Uh, but often our religious faith looks very little like what Jesus came to do and bring. It's become an exclusive club for those who are effectively following whichever specific rules and codes have been made. Um, and so anyways, this is, this is the, the conversation that we're having. Now Jesus, we, we could say throw out the whole thing, but Jesus gave a command to his followers to say, go and make disciples in Matthew 28, Right? Baptize him, help him, help him meet Jesus and live out his teachings. So interestingly enough, even though that command was given, we're given relatively little information on how we're supposed to actually do it. How we're supposed to organize this community that makes disciples. Um, I kind of feel like Jesus gave us too much responsibility with that one. Because we've really, really kind of screwed it up. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know, Jesus. I usually trust his judgment. <sighs> the early church did their best to figure out how to make disciples. And they had successes and they had failures um, to try to figure this whole question out. But the one through line that we see in all of the attempts to be a faithful church was this emphasis on Jesus remaining at the center of all they do. And so I'm going to give this, uh, this one scripture uh, for us to center on. <laughs> and then I'm going to invite some, some voices up here to, to have a, a dialogue. Um, and so, uh, so in, Paul offers these reminders like in his letters, like this in Ephesians. Can you throw that up, Sean? Thanks. Uh, and this is in Ephesians 2. Consequently, you're no longer foreigner and, foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord, and in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So this whole idea was a new, a new people is being born and a new people need a new temple because it's not going to match the very exclusive, you know, Jews here, Gentiles here. It's not going to work. But the new temple has to be bigger than a geographic one. It has to be a living temple. And Jesus says this community, or Paul says this community of Jesus followers, that's going to form this new temple this new spiritual place. What a beautiful image, right? We get to be built together into a place that God lives. Um, now, the cornerstone image is really fascinating, and that's going to be our jumping off point. 
in Old Testament times and at the time of Jesus, cornerstones were the foundation of a healthy structure. Okay? A cornerstone um, would be carefully cut to very specific measures, all right? and it would be laid very specifically. And then what you would, it would be laid at the perfect angle of the building that was intended to be built. And so it would bring two walls together. That was one role of a cornerstone, bringing things together at a point. And it was providing structure. But the interesting thing was that, um, that it was the plumb line or the, the straight line for everything else to be built around it. So as the building was being constructed, it would constantly be measured up against the cornerstone to make sure that it was straight, to make sure the building was healthy. All right? And so the buildings from the temples, the cornerstones, I mean, from the temples, were like 19 feet long and seven and a half feet thick. We're talking about huge stones, right? So that was what a cornerstone was. What's a cornerstone today? I'm sure you've seen them, right? It's like, it's a little block, and it has a plaque on it that has information about the building, and there's a ceremony to unveil it. Are you with me? Okay, Jesus says cornerstone, foundational thing by which you understand everything and make sure the building is healthy. We say cornerstone, and there's like a ribbon cutting, and there's clapping, and you can find out how old the building is, and maybe information about it. Like, if we're going to be healthy, we have to understand the original usage of Jesus, or of Paul saying that Jesus is the cornerstone. Not just have a little plaque and a ceremony that says nice words. All right, so... In order to do that, I need some friends. Come on up, you guys. Uh, so what we're doing uh, is, as we are committed to expressing ourselves as a church founded on Jesus and moving toward Jesus' kingdom, that's a whole lot easier said than done. Um, it's super wonderful in theory and really, really difficult in practice to be a centered, set church on Jesus. Um, so to learn to be a church, we have to do real work. And, and hash it out together. And I thought, and we thought, it would be great to bring up some really meaningful voices into the conversation. So, um, this is Nate and Elizabeth and Jose. And I have asked them, this is, this is not particularly scripted, although I've got some questions. We did sit down for coffee once, but, uh, but we don't know where this thing's going to go. Um, but I value uh, each of their insights. They're all relatively... Um, newer to our community, meaning that, um, that you probably haven't heard them share very much, uh, maybe here and there. So the opportunity is really neat for us to kind of learn and grow together. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what does it mean to kind of grow as a, a centered people and, um, and just kind of brainstorm what some of the pitfalls might be. Um, they've each had different life experiences, which is why I value them so much of being here with us. Um, but they're going to just introduce themselves and, and share maybe just a little bit about why they're drawn to a centered set approach to church community if they want to and any other information. So shall we just go down the line for this one? All right. Good morning, everybody. My name's Nate, like Keith said. And um, so this whole centered set thing, that's pretty new to me, I'll be honest. So I'm kind of a theological nut um, in my upbringing. I was raised in a Catholic charismatic community back in the 70s, which is probably what you imagine it to be, what it sounds like. Um, I switched to full gospel church when I was in fifth grade. I went to a Catholic high school, a Wesleyan college, married a conservative Baptist, went to an E3 church, and then to an independent Bible church. And so here I am. Um, but all those kind of had, in one way, shape, or form, still that bounded set reality. That's just what you do, right? Um, in terms of, and it, it's mostly, I would say, oriented primarily about you know, are you saved? Are you not saved? Like, are you, that's kind of the in or out. And if you're not, we need to figure out how to talk you into it. And that's mm -hmm. the whole thing. Um, along the way, I've had, you know, experiences in all those places that <laughs> left me somewhat traumatized and, uh, and, and felt like this, this still isn't, this isn't the thing or this, this has been warped or twisted or abused or something. Um, and so, when I came here, this was really the first place I've heard this idea of center set articulated. And I'm still in the phase of kind of going like, is this okay? Is this legal? Can we do this? Like, are we allowed? <laughs> is <laughs> um, this legal? Yeah. And so part of the pushback is just because it is new. You know, there's a little saying that says, 
if it's new, then it's not true. If it's true, then it's not new. But on the other hand, just because it rhymes, does that mean it's true either? Or, you know, so just kind of sorting that whole thing out. Or just because the language yeah. is fresh, does that mean it's not a very, very old idea Yeah. as well? Totally, yeah. So <laughs> I'm still kind of like reaching back and kind of going, can I sit on this thing? Is like, can I trust this idea? Like, and... And I, that's why I'm glad in this series that we're kind of trying to lean into some of the nuance there because it's not just like a, well, boundaries are gone. We're all just winging it here. Right. So you're good. I'm good. Like, we're all good. So, but what does that actually mean in real life? That's the question. Um, and then the other thing for me is how do, how do, how do I, as a person that's had some negative experiences along the way and carrying all the baggage that I'm carrying, not just become a grumpy old man and define myself like, you know, these are all the things that I'm against. This is all the ways you've done it wrong over the years. And I'm not that anymore. And if you're doing that, then you're on the wrong side of my fence. So <laughs> that's the conundrum that I'm in. Yeah. So thanks. Yeah. Hi. I'm Elizabeth. Uh, I came to Life Path in 2019 um, after some church trauma, um, both personal and corporate. And during that time, it was sort of a, I, I was just searching around for a place to land and began to understand what church looks like outside of a church, <laughs> what a community of faith is outside of a congregation. And it's all still messy for me in a lot of ways, but um, a lot of those distinctions have been made clear. And for me, I think I didn't have the terminology of centered set and bounded set, but the first time we talked about it, uh, with the first time I talked about it with Keith, it rang true because that's sort of how I had envisioned my faith life, right? And so there was a lot about that that felt true and right and was easy to hold. And I think what I'm, I can look back and I'm still trying to bring clarity, uh, but that centered set, even if it's a centered set, can get off kilter a little bit and that center is then not Christ, um, but other things. It could be the pastor. It could be the system of the church. It could be the organization of the church. It could be a lot of different things. But I think it is easy for that center to get off, um, to get pivoted in a way that is hurtful and harmful and um, traumatizing to some. And so I'm still sort of looking for an understanding of how do we do it right? How do we do it in a way, how, like you said just a second ago, Keith, uh, Jesus gave us such a holy and grand idea, and <laughs> I uh, am sometimes unsure of our ability to carry that out, and how, how should church look? I think about that so much these days. What's a, what's a healthy church look like? How will I know that I'm in a healthy church? Uh, how will I feel safe? In, in those ways. And so I still have more questions than answers, mm -hmm. um, but certainly am thinking through <laughs> what the American church is doing that is hurtful in so many ways these days. And, and I want to be a part of something different. <laughs> Thanks. Hello, my name is Jose. So I am Puerto Rico, which means that I come from Puerto Rico. Uh, uh, and if any of you have been in, into the, Cari to the Caribbean, so you know that we are a mixture of everything. That's why like, you cannot recognize with who is a Puerto Rican or not. Like, we don't have a way to, of looking because of the cultural background. So we have Spaniards, African, uh, Africans, North American, Europeans, all of them get together. And that means that <coughs> the vision of what Jesus is and what church is uh, for us there's so many ways to put it. Like if you go uh, historically, it's very Catholic, like Nate was saying. Uh, but then we receive so much influence from multiple people that for us, Jesus 
it depends on the lens that you're seeing it. And, and, and you can determine if that's a true Jesus or that's not the true Jesus. It's similar, but it it's just looks funky. Uh, <laughs> so <clears throat> in that process, uh, when I was six years old, my mother decided to go to a Pentecostal church because she said that Catholicism was not for her because they were like, they just value so much like images and, and, and other uh, apostles and things like that. So we decided to go to that church and that became the center of my vision of what Jesus was. But of course it was very uh, legalist and it was very structured. And if you don't do things in a certain way, you're not right, which for me, so Jesus became this possible thing to approach and it was just a matter of uh, a, a race between everybody to see who could be the holiest of all of the the rest um so of course uh being the uh i don't know I, since i was a teenager i started questioning i started having conversations with even adults and saying why i think that what you believe is wrong so of course i was a uh, lame as uh you just don't know what you're talking about. Uh, but then in that mentality, it also allowed me to create my own search in, okay, when I'm going through life, how do I value the teachings that I see in the scriptures or, or in, in the church from other people that I can con consider mentors? And how do I just make it so that I can live the best life that I can live? Um, so that allowed me to very humbly I, I say this, to really center myself into what Jesus was instead of the structure, the religious structure or structures that were around me. So long story short, I moved to the United States nine years ago uh, with my family. And when we came here, of course, we were looking for a Hispanic church that can give us the language and the access to the Jesus or multiple Jesus that we were used to. And what we found is that... Jesus? Oh, yeah, that, exactly. <coughs> many Jesuses, right? yeah. <coughs> Los Jesuses <laughs> in Spanish. So uh, in that process, we just found ourselves going to multiple places that resemble the same historical problem that we have seen in, in multiple churches. Mm -hmm. And to the point that we decided to just continue being our own. And we created a very individualistic way of following Jesus as a family and then understanding each other and, make, and, and being the best pe per people that we could be until we came to, to Life Path. So I work here at Aspira. Keith uh, met me and he got into a couple conversations. I said, well, you know what? It's a wide church, so just try it. If they don't kick us out, so we, we, <laughs> we can stay. Um, and then it, it was very surprising because we felt very comfortable here. Uh, our kids felt very comfortable because their culture is not the same one that we had. Uh, we lived down in the in the island for 30 something years and they lived here in the United States all, all of this process. So again, we're just trying to fit in, if we could say it like that. That's why I appreciate so much that we sing a couple of songs in Spanish at least. <laughs> but, um, but it's just a search and, and to be honest, what I like is that that vision or, or that mentality of being Jesus-centered, even though we don't know exactly what it is, but we're all in the same process, that's why I appreciate from mm -hmm. being here. Well, you guys just covered a lot of, a lot of things right off the bat, um, but let's, let's just maybe one of you weigh in. So you each have plenty of reasons, um, even if they didn't come out, I know you, and so uh, you each have plenty of reasons to just say, you know what, <laughs> like, how about just me and Jesus? You know, Jose, you just mentioned that, <clears throat> but like, you know, community is hard. Figuring out what it means to be the church in today's world is really, really, it feels complicated. So is, do you feel like it's worth it? Um, because it feels like, I mean, even doing this work that we're doing right now is hard work to figure out what does it look like to be a loving community that holds tensions and possibly different perspectives together and maintains focus on Jesus? You know, is what's, uh, yeah, what, is a me and Jesus approach to faith enough? Or, you know, why, why not? And maybe just, we don't all have to dig into this because I want to talk more about um, some of our other questions, but any of you want to just talk about that role of individuality versus community? A hundred times, yes. I mean, it's the hardest, the hardest thing. And 
Yes, I, I did the me and Jesus. It, it is, um, it's not the full expression of where we're, um, it's not the full expression of faith. And there is so much that happens in community and relationship. For me personally right now, I Sunday morning is still a little bit difficult for me. Being in here on a Sunday morning is hard and I'm not often here, I'm on Zoom. But the community of faith here is is life-saving so i think that that is the great challenge to be able to recognize that maybe our church communities as a whole are not working the way they could Mm -hmm. but that's our challenge is to work and be better (laughs) to find that to see those blind spots and to work towards addressing them to have these rough conversations um Yes, worth it, and yes, difficult. Do you want to weigh in? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, if I can, quickly. um, This is a good question, and one I wish the answer was different, (laughs) because sometimes it is tempting just to kind of go, you know what, I'm just going to go live in the woods and be a hermit and, like, just, you know, remove yourself from it. Because, so, last year for me, I just checked my phone. It was last summer. Um kind of had a rough landing at the church we were at before, same day resigned um, membership and eldership and just kind of like we're done. And also, like, I don't know if you noticed, but kind of just the whole church in America, politics in America, the whole landscape is, it's, it's pretty rough, you know? And so the temptation is just to withdraw, hunker down, just like stop, like make it go away and, and, and be quiet. And so, so that's kind of the question is like, can we do that? Is that legal? And <laughs> um, it just seems like the answer is no. Like that's not what we're designed for. And it's really not what we're practicing for. Like if you, you know, think ahead towards where we're headed. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a good book by N.T. Wright called Surprised by Hope that I read and just kind of pushed back on the notion of like heaven is, you know, clouds and harps and floating around or whatever. But it's really the kind of this embodied community that is doing it right which is like super appealing to really lean into that and go like what does it look like to be redeemed but we can do that and represent that in the here and now and that's what we're supposed to be doing Mm -hmm. and really for one of me the biggest bummers in the whole thing is like you read john 17 and go jesus prayed for something way better and way different and like why are we not seeing that Um, but the flip side of that is how could we how could we become that or how could we do that um, in the here and now and so um, I wish <laughs> I wish sometimes we could hermit our way through but I don't I don't know if that's what we're supposed <laughs> to be doing um, when I was pondering this question though the verse that came to mind that I like is uh, in Hebrews 10 it talks about let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day draw near and now Sometimes that verse just gets used as like a finger wag, like you better be in church. You better show up to church. (laughs) Come on Sunday morning, no quitters. But really the focus should be like the (coughs) love, the good works, the encouragement. Like that's what the reality is. We got into some trouble with that that verse when we paused our physical gatherings during COVID. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a, it could become a clobber verse. Yeah, it's tough. (laughs) Nice. So I like like you reframing that for us. Yeah, no, I think it's a really a great, kind of vision or mission component to what church could and should be. Hmm. Well, let's, uh, so what I want to do <coughs> for a few minutes, because we've, we've kind of talked around this, but let's, let's we're not going to live here, but let's be honest about some critique, and then we're going to be honest about hopeful collaboration, all right? Uh, so, so this critique, I'm going to combine kind of two of our questions that I, that I um, sent you. So um, what are some of the pitfalls that you've seen within bounded set thinking? You've mentioned some of them, but, but lean into that. What are some of the, the pitfalls that you've seen when churches live with bounded set thinking um, or, without, or without a true center on Jesus? You can use whatever language is helpful. Um, so what are some of the pitfalls when, without a true center on Jesus? Um, and maybe are there specific things about the structures of the American church right now that make it more difficult to remain centered on Jesus. Uh, 
and we're just going to name this. If you say something that we fall into the category of, it's okay. It's okay. If you're like, I think this is one of the challenges in the American church. I'm like, wait, we, we do that. That's all right. This is what the conversation's for. I almost wonder if in that, like I was talking about, maybe that um, shift happens in the boundary set, in that, sorry, in the centered set where Jesus isn't off. Sometimes I think that leadership, leadership in the church can almost stand in the way of an individual's drawing towards Christ. And it can it cannot necessarily even be because of, um, uh, I mean, maybe there is a toxicity there inherent, but I'm saying it, it's, it's a natural thing to, that I think happens a lot, that a leader becomes the focus rather than Christ, and people pursue a leader rather than Christ, or just devotion to the institution rather than devotion yeah. towards Christ. Mm-hmm. And it's nuanced for sure, but I do think that happens. Yeah. And I wonder if it's a, a celebrity professional culture that undergirds a lot of American church. Even smaller systems can have the same, the same idea. Um, not that other cultures always get it right, but um, there's a lot of, you know, in, in places that are um, less enterprising, Countries that are that where the church community is flatter because there's nobody whose job it is to be the church for everyone and to be the professional. And I understand, you know, the complexity of me sitting here saying this. Uh, but, but yeah, perhaps just the nature of of how we understand power and leadership and influence uh, sets us up for risk there. I would say without disregarding the importance of leadership and and. An, ins- an institution that can provide you with a clear lens of what Jesus is. Because um, again, when we always think about like successful or, or like businesses or organizations, they always had a leader or a person that Jesus was a leader. Like he came in and, and, and he showed everybody what the true uh, pathway or process is. But going back to something that Nate, men- Nate mentioned this morning, like he made, like he had more questions than answers. He was always asking a question and allowing people to think about uh, what what do you think is the right path to to get to this to this goal or to this mentality or to change your way of thinking and living. So I would say that, and com- I completely agree. Like when we focus more on the leader or the institution. Of course, like there's a, a, a an opportunity for you to derail your concept and and your mentality into something that it's wrong. However, it's it's very important that we don't like always criticize or or say like the church is has gone bad because of their leaders. I would say it's more of a mentality of openness and recognizing that we as humans are not perfect and we're all in the same process of trying to find what the way, the right way is to, to, to lead, uh, to follow Jesus. But we are all going to have different perspectives, di- different backgrounds, and how do we then are open enough to understand, tolerate, and work together to hmm. go to back to the center. Um, if I can piggyback on what Elizabeth said, that whole shift out of center um, kind of goes back to what I was saying before. If your main metric is saved and not saved, and getting people saved is like the ultimate good, like that's our highest priority, you can start to drift off into a place where other things become justifiable in service of that ultimate mission. Like we can tolerate bad behavior. We can tolerate abuse within the ranks. We can (coughs) justify like we can't care for them, meaning victims of abuse or fill in the blank because we need to send money to the missionaries or whatever. It becomes this whole um, just kind of warped value system that results in that. And the other thing I've noticed is that it starts to really skinny down the gospel, what the gospel is. And anytime you don't want to deal with something, you go, just preach the gospel, man. Like we don't want to deal with abuse or racism or any of these societal things that we're called to 
as a kingdom model something different, hmm. but it's this, this gospel is this skinny slice thing. It's like it's about the inner out, and that's all that matters. And it really, really, um, in my estimation, just undercuts the whole church and just makes it so anemic. And it's, it's we're, I think, paying, seeing the consequences of that. We're paying the price across America for that in this moment. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, these are really helpful comments. And may, so maybe, <coughs> you know, because you can, depending on what background you're coming from, you could hear that and that could really, like, mess with you. <coughs> what do you mean, like, not emphasize the gospel? Maybe the gospel, like you were saying, the issue is not that we don't emphasize the gospel, but that we build a more robust understanding of the kingdom of God in the world, <coughs> excuse me, that understands that, you know, salvation is all-encompassing. When, when you trust Jesus as Lord, you get Jesus as Savior, <laughs> you know, uh, but not the other way around. It's very easy to say, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior, but <clears throat> I'm not going to really follow you uh, in any, like, real way. So I make this one commitment at some point in my life. <clears throat> I'm sorry, excuse me. I make this one commitment at some point in my life, but the fruit of my life does not look like the fruit of the Spirit coming out, but I'm okay because I'm inside because of that one moment. And that's what I think becomes a lack of integrity within the Christian faith. Uh, yeah. Just that you said the word fruit, and that's a kind of a trigger for me because um, sometimes we say the fruit is the numbers. Look how many people are attending. Look how many people mm -hmm. are praying the prayer, walking in the aisle, filling out the card, whatever it is. That's the fruit as opposed to what does the Bible say? Yeah, the, fruit the Galatians is? fruit. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so, like, if you listen to, say, like, the podcast about the rising fall of Mars Hill, it was all about, hey, this church is expanding. It's like, oh, it's, this is so amazing. Hmm. Look at all the good that's happening, all the fruit. And then you're like, is that really fruit? Is that the deal? Like, hmm. like that's a, a distraction, really. It was a hmm. fake fruit um, and rotten fruit in yeah. the end. So I think you got to, like, we are allowed to be fruit inspectors, but, like, what, what's the fruit we're looking for here? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's, let's, keep, let's keep moving then and, and collaborate toward, uh, toward what we can envision, what we really want to be, and, and why. Um, you know, what, what and I'll, I'll prompt you a little bit based on some of the things that I've heard you say in the past if they don't come up. But, uh, but what practices or attitudes do you see as crucial in a Jesus-centered church for a community to thrive? What are the, the practices or attitudes that are key? I got nothing. <laughs> you just want to burn it all down, but not help build it up. <clears throat> I am here because I have been allowed to ask questions and be messy and I get to eat with my friends and uh, have r authentic, real relationships. Um, I think that's a great start. Yeah. And it, I know you talk a lot about that, like the holiness of eating with people, and it's true. There is um, holiness there in sharing meals and um, communing and having authentic conversations about life. Elizabeth, you, when we were talking earlier, you mentioned specifically in, in regards to that, because you keep coming back to this relational core, right? Sure. Like versus the structural core, um, which I really, I, I really appreciate your emphasis on that. And one of the things that you mentioned was that uh, nuance is kind of like understanding nuance is important. And in a setting like this, nuance is hard the larger the group gets. Um, and, and that really struck me that... that as much as we want to try here, there's just certain things that can't happen when there's a couple people up here and a whole bunch of people facing over here. There's just things that simply cannot happen in terms of understanding and empathy and wrestling with stuff. And, um, and when you mentioned that nuance gets harder as the group gets larger, I just found like, wow. So to me, when I hear you talking about that, that speaks of, a, of an, an importance of, a, of smallness. Not, not meaning that we're not allowed to grow as a community, but that smaller relationships have got to be foundational. 
Do you want to add anything to that? I didn't mean to speak for you. No, no. Because <laughs> that was from our coffee earlier. Not at all. <coughs> I think that, you know, we can't lose the importance of conversation, right? We can't lose the importance of um, finding ways to have conversations, real authentic conversations with people that we're not always having real authentic conversations with. Like, that's a challenge too, right? Like, my meal community, I know really well, and we connect really well, but um, it's hard on a Sunday morning to have really deep conversations with people that are, you know, um, just on a Sunday morning, you're coming in, you're going out. Like, how do we keep finding ways to make as, you know, always more, not, I don't want to sound like, you know, we all have to be best friends, right? Like, that's not very possible, but to struggle with, <coughs> just to struggle with that. What is it, what does hmm. healthy look like? How do we connect with as many, what is that? Yeah, sorry, a lot of babble. I don't no, have all the answers. We're not, the goal is not answers today, right? It's asking really good questions. That's, that's kind of always the goal, how many times that come up. Yeah, so I think generally, how do we continue to build each other in those relationships, have those good, authentic, and difficult sometimes conversations. Yeah. What other practices or attitudes do you think are really crucial for this to, to work and to not just beca become what we mentioned earlier, a fuzzy set, right? Because there's a difference between bounded set and then having, you know, like just fuzzy. Like there's no real cohesion at all and no real health. Um, any other practices or attitudes that you think are key? I think um, probably the word at the highlight would be humility for me. Um, just this idea that instead of like we've got this all wired, figured out, like locked in, you know, this is it, among all of us, including the leadership, and kind of a component of that then is the in these wrestly conversations that there's, there's the ability for healthy pushback or at least questioning to kind of go, like, if we're all in agreement, we're trying to follow Jesus, and somebody goes, he's over there, and you're going, nah, dude, like, that's over here. Like, how do we figure out? Um, because it seems like if you watch some of the cautionary tales, like, they may have been going that direction and then veered off or just kind of, like, missed it and kept going. Like, so how do you, how do you keep course correcting towards that middle? And that feels like that's a community project um, in dialogue. Yeah, well, that, so if I can synthesize what you just said, if, if, I'm, if I'm hearing it, you know, like that course correcting is one of those keys that we're constantly course correcting and saying, are we truly being centered on Jesus in this decision, in tomorrow's decision, in next week's decision? Are we making sure that that's central to our conversations all the time of saying, are we keeping Jesus at the center or are we getting with, with humility or are we making assumptions or are we ostracizing people without even realizing it? Yeah, and, and the real-time aspect is crucial, I think, because temptation is just give us the formula, you know? Yeah. Tell us the recipe, A, B, and C, do, don't do, whatever. We want to boil it down, principles, policies, whatever it is, just to, just to this, make it happen. This is why the conversation about salvation is so complicated, because mm -hmm. when Jesus invites people to follow him, it looks so different. Reconciliation with Jesus looks different with each person. The point is come toward me. And that's why when we boil it down to saying a certain prayer, that that's not helpful. Because sometimes he says, for, your sins are forgiven. Sometimes he says, get up and walk. Sometimes he says, come follow me. Sometimes he says, be born again. And all of these images and metaphors come into a new experience with Jesus. But if we turn that into a formula, then we've moved in this religious direction that no longer keeps us in a dynamic willingness to follow Jesus at our center, wherever Jesus might be leading. Um, you know, like Paul talks about working out our salvation, like constantly. There's something about that that is process. It's, it's constantly being aware that I'm learning what it means to live in the kingdom of God each moment as I trust Jesus. Any other thoughts to add to that right now? Practices, attitudes? I just thought about, like, like I mentioned at the, at the beginning, the openness of, of yeah. and the mentality of the church, but also the practicality. Like something that I appreciate from coming to the service on Sundays, but then also of having conversations with multiple individuals in the church is that we can transfer what is being taught to every day with ease. It's not, oh, uh, don't, eat uh, don't eat a pig because that's, that's not a healthy, like, or, or don't drink because of this. No, it's more of a conversation of 
why is it that that was that became a law or a mindset? Is it rational? And if it's not, do we need to follow it? Like, or can we just be practical about the thoughts and understand the historical piece of it and that things change? So I believe that that's something that many churches might be struggling with is that things that were practical or rules uh, at a certain point, they don't, they don't align to the lifestyle anymore or mm -hmm. they don't align to the, <laughs> the reality of people. And then when, when you try to adjust that and to continue with something that it's wrong, just to, to use a word, it might be difficult in the process. Um, I'm gonna add a quote that you offered the other day from Bonhoeffer uh, when we were talking about this, um, and I'm gonna butcher it because I don't, you got it? You just read it, go for it. Yeah, so this is Bonhoeffer by way of Twitter. The person who loves their dream of community will destroy community, but the person who loves those around them will create community. Yeah, and so our vision is valuable of what we wanna be, but if that becomes more important than loving the, the complicated people in front of us, then then we'll lose the center that Elizabeth has been challenging us on. Um, so I, yeah, there's beauty in there about our dream of community versus learning to love um, that I think is, is valuable as well. All right, so we're ready to wrap up with some final thoughts. We could talk about this for a lot longer, um, but I'll give you a choice if you wanna, <laughs> this, is, this is us practicing honesty. So you can either choose to offer something that gives you great hope about Jesus' church worldwide and, and ours or ours, whatever, something that gives you hope, or you can, maybe and or, you can offer, is, is there just like a tension or a complication that isn't easy to resolve, but it's worth continuing to be aware of and think about? So um, anything there that you're like, yeah, we didn't get to talk about this, but this is just complicated and we gotta keep thinking, and or, you know what, this makes me hopeful. Here's a tension I feel is that I have three kids, uh, 18 to 24, and I listen to them <laughs> and other Gen Zs. Is that we, I think, are compelled to keep working on this because if we don't, I think the generations that follow will have trouble finding it. Mm. And I think they can see <laughs> that shift and that pivot away from Christ as the center, and they're not interested in community that has not figured that out. Mm. And um, I think it is, I do feel passionately about wanting to keep asking the questions and keep figuring this out because we have young people coming up looking to us. They're not ready yet to make these decisions and figure things out. They need some maturity, <laughs> right? They need some perspective that we can offer, and, and it's important. So mm. I think that's my, my challenge, is that we keep doing this hard work, because I do think the church um, is, community is valuable, and we, I want to have something to leave. <laughs> mm. I want the next gen, I want to have not ruined this for the next generation. Then my hope is that we are doing things like this. My <laughs> hope is that I'm not the one sitting here next time, but <laughs> it's it's more I of like a, it. <laughs> the fact that you're taking the time to teach uh, or, or create a uh, a series of messages, and then you and then we end up like having multiple perspectives coming together and saying, "What do we think? What do we learn about this? How do how do you internalize this in your own perspective through your own lens?" and then you apply it to your life and we can continue to be a community, that's a big hope. That's, that's something that I know that if we continue to maintain and practice, it can allow us to not only recognize things that might not be correct, but also create a vision, like you, like you said. Like it doesn't depend on you as the pastor or on Dwayne as one of the pastors or like any of us can carry that vision and continue to implement the practice of following Jesus on our own. And can I just add that maybe in contrast to what the assumption would be, that is so life-giving and hopeful 
for leaders to hear that the community were in this together learning something and that the pressure I, I we we have seen over and over whether it's pressure whether it's a, whether it's power whatever leadership breaking down because i think there is sometimes this mentality that well i've gotta do it all um and the fact that we have such valuable voices constantly helping us shape who we are that changes the culture that we already have right now and it's going to change it more as we walk forward any other final thoughts Nate, you got anything that you wanted to add? I mean, I'll be honest, I have more tensions at this point than hope. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> but I feel like like this space is encouraging to me, like this space here. And like as I told Keith, you know, when we were last August kind of like out there swimming around, kind of going like, if I can't be a hermit, like what am I going to do? What are my options here? And I just didn't, didn't feel like there was much. And I, was, I told him, I'm like, almost hesitant to come here because if this doesn't work out then I got nothing like it's just over which doesn't sound right at all because the hope is not it's Jesus really and Jesus said his church is going to be okay all right and so if the you know whatever is the bad substitute for that is going to crash and burn then like so be it like let that happen and let the the real thing rise up out of the ashes or something here Uh, I guess that's what I'm I'm hopeful for is that maybe we'll instead of having this kind of like lukewarm everything's fine like that we'll see the fruit and that that's going to become so obvious that people are going to go like yeah we were duped we were deceived mm-hmm. and we need to totally re you know different mm-hmm. different direction so yeah and so maybe we need to hear that final thing since the word fruits come up a lot that as we look to Jesus the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I love that Paul ends up with, and against such things there is no law. You can't make a bounded set around those things because it's character (laughs) that's being shaped. And so let's keep looking for those things and drawing them out of one another. Will you help me thank these brave people for giving their (laughs) perspectives? So... Thanks thanks to the, uh, the three of you and all of you who are a part of this journey in community, and if you're here right now, you're a part of that journey, um, to help shape us into a church that, as best as we can humbly do, is trying to look like Jesus. <laughs>